and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Hi, everybody. I'm thrilled to have my guest here with me today, Erica Hoke. Erica, at the age of 35, made a powerful decision to reject the all or nothing scenarios often imposed on those facing fertility challenges. Instead of solely relying on her medical team, who told her she had less than a 1% chance of getting pregnant, she took control of the factors within her reach, believing that her body was not broken. Erica actively participated in her healthcare journey, delving into her medical testing, improving her diet, and seeking mental and physical healing opportunities. The incredible results spoke for themselves. Not only did she successfully conceive once, but went on to become pregnant three more times. Incredibly, this was all without the help of reproductive medicine. In fact, she conceived her last son seven years after being told she would need donor eggs. She believes the most exciting part is this approach isn't unique to just her. By addressing causes and embracing holistic healing, Thousands of women have experienced transformative outcomes. Now, she dedicates herself to supporting women who are navigating their own fertility health. Her coaching sessions are designed to empower women with the knowledge and tools that they need to take an active role in their healthcare. Furthermore, she shares her story in the best-selling Infertility Success Series, hoping to inspire and reassure others that they aren't alone in their journey. Erica firmly believes that every woman's body holds an inherent wisdom and strength. Sometimes all we need is a little guidance to tap into it. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about um, how you became this amazing inspiration. Well, it's thank you for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I knew that I was going to have some problems conceiving. I, I kind of made that assumption. Um, I had a lot of reproductive um, medicine diagnosis. I had endometriosis. I had uterine fibroids. I was having terrible cycles. So I kind of, it kind of stood to reason for me that, you know, I might have a problem getting pregnant. And like you said in my bio, um, my backup plan was IVF. It's everybody's backup plan, right? If I can't get pregnant on my own, then I'm going to go to uh, reproductive medicine and they'll fix it for me. Um, and so the bottom dropped out for me when the doctor that I was seeing told us that I had diminished ovarian reserve um, and I was already hyperovulating, which just means that the medicine that they were going to give me to do a retrieval, my body was already, the volume was already turned all the way up. And so mm -hmm. that wouldn't have, um, 
wouldn't have helped at all. And the combination of not having very many eggs left, according to them at that time, um, was not compatible for a retrieval anyway. And so here I am mm. thinking, okay, I've got all these things wrong with me, but I'm going to, I'm going to pursue reproductive medicine. Everything will be fine. And then it wasn't. And it was devastating. And I just, um, through the encouragement of my counselor, um, my therapist at the time, who felt strongly, you know, that, that my desire to be a mother was actually a calling from God to be a mother, you know, um, something to be pursued. Um, she just encouraged me to, um, to keep going. Right. And so I started looking into the things that affect infertility, what could be wrong with my body that I was missing or that hadn't been addressed at that point. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of how my journey began. Women have, historically been told to ignore their symptoms and ignore what their body is already telling them. So yeah. we really have to, first of all, trust that our not normalized pain, not normalized dis-ease and discomfort and get to the bottom of that and not um, allow those things to be brushed aside or to, to be normalized. Right. So that's got to be the first Absolutely. step is that you've got to kind of take an inventory of yourself and say, I know that the doctors told me X, Y, and Z, but I don't feel good. Right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I did in regards to my thyroid in regards to some of my other testing that was, you know, labeled as normal. Mm. And, um, I think that that's, that can be considered a lifestyle change, right? I decided not to accept what the narrative was from the doctors. I decided to listen to my body and go forward that way. So some of the other changes that I made as I, I started seeing uh, traditional Chinese medicine and incorporated who incorporated acupuncture and Chinese herbs um, to help, you know, my dysregulation in my body. Um, I don't think that you named them off, but I, I started to tell you I had stage four endometriosis. Mm. I had uh, ovarian cysts removed. I had um, thyroid disease. I had PCOS. I had uh, diminished ovarian reserve. I had seven different diagnoses. And any one of those things could have and w should have prevented me from getting pregnant even once, right? But um, the combination of them is just kind of, you know, kind of over the top. So I feel like if I can do what I did, then I can help almost anybody, you know, through changing their diet. And let's talk about that. I don't want to skip over that. Um, at the time, I would have I would have told you I was eating a really healthy diet, you know, because I was incorporating salads and vegetables and things like that. But you really have to um, you really have to address the things that are causing the disruption. And a lot of that has to do with hormones in the food and, and that sort of thing and um, pesticides and, and that sort of thing. So um, eating a whole foods diet with low processed foods. And of course, you know, we all know what the superfoods are in there, right? Um, incorporating more antioxidant rich um, foods into my diet certainly did, you know, make a difference. Mm. What resources would you recommend for um, 
diets and foods that looking into like what would where can we go if we don't know where to start um you really need to just start um label reading and eating whole foods right okay um it's not overly complicated i think that we try to incorporate all these like very strict um parameters on what we eat um but really we we know right? As, as adults, we know what the good things are that, to put in our bodies and what is not. So as many whole foods, um, you know, non-processed foods, and then for the, for the things that are processed, you know, it's, it's just a pro it's, I'm saying process a lot. It's just a process <laughs> in eliminating the processed foods. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's a lot of label reading and taking it one step at a time. I mean, we can't we can't um, do this overnight, but that's the lifestyle change, right? Committing to not just doing the quick, easy thing of grabbing, you know, packaged food or um, you know, going through the drive-through or or things like that. Your body is telling you that that is not working for it, right? And so all of these things are. They're just pieces of the puzzle. They're just contributors because that contributes to your gut health. And that's a whole separate, that's a whole separate topic. Those things contribute to your sleep and that affects your hormones, you know? So all of these things, we cannot take one piece of the puzzle away because then we don't have the complete picture of the, the healthy body. And then that's the goal is health. Overall health is the goal. And then pregnancy is the outcome. So mm -hmm. We can't take one of those pieces away because then you're not going to see the whole the whole healthy body um, and you're not going to get to the pregnancy outcome that you want. Mm. Absolutely. I love how you say that. Overall health is the goal and pregnancy and fertility is the outcome. And it, right. it is like that puzzle. Like We have so many pieces of that puzzle trying to put together. And I know even Western medicine and as healthcare providers – our hands are sometimes tied. Like we have the best intentions, but like just even visualizing, putting a puzzle together, that takes time. That takes yeah. a lot. And we just don't have that time. And we also, you know, there's paradigm, there's this paradigm of I have my set of glasses. I have my glasses on today. So I have my my like nurse practitioner glasses and I'm, I'm seeing mm -hmm. things through this filter. But then I have, you know, if, as a patient, I'm seeing things through my patient perspective. And at the end of the day, it is so important to kind of, you know, how, how you feel. And when you're talking about these foods, I know like for me, I've been trying to write food diaries. How do I feel if I have... Uh, more sugar in mm -hmm. the day versus more fiber or wh whatever that may be. Um, but you kind of know it is a, a bit of that common sense, but also at the same time, it's that pushing yourself to be like, okay, how, like for me, I'm just, if I have it in my house, I'll make excuses in my mind to, sure. to eat it. And then if I do not to be hard on myself, but just say, okay, I, you know, this is how I feel. I'm going to write that down. Remember that. And then just, it's those baby steps. Like you were saying, you can't change yeah. overnight, but those baby steps. Um, can you talk with me? You had mentioned sleep and hormones. Uh, can we talk a bit more about that? I mean, 
I, I feel like hormones as women, they're so, such a big part of the puzzle throughout our lives and, and sleep does impact that a lot. And I know that's kind of two different topics and gosh, I feel like we could do so many episodes on each one of these topics. Right. Um, (laughs) But, um, what have you learned like, um, with, with all of your research that you've done? Well, like you said, um, sleep dramatically impacts a woman's hormones, um, mm-hmm. cortisol levels and things like that. You know, no one that's going through infertility wants to be told, just relax. It's the worst thing in the world to say to somebody, um, just relax and you'll get pregnant. And there is some truth to that because your body does need that repair and recoup time. And a lot of that happens as sleep. And having, you know, good sleep and some of the other things that I talk about, you know, in my program, these are all linked together, you know, removing toxins that are hormone disruptors that are disrupting your sleep so that your hormones can normalize. Right. Um, So it's, it's, again, it's all tied together. You can't take that one piece of the puzzle away, but sleep definitely impacts um, estrogen and progesterone. It affects your levels. It's tied into your cortisol loop, you know, for, um, for your, for your day and processing those things out of your system. Um, so yeah, your body needs that time to, uh, to heal itself and to repair. And a lot of that happens during sleep. And unfortunately in our society, um, we pride ourselves on how little sleep we we can go on, right? How little sleep that we can get. It's a badge of honor. Oh, I, I either, especially as moms, but you know, pre-mom in this infertility phase, you know, as uh, women in the workforce, you know, we, we kind of, um, that deprivation is, is celebrated and we need to step away from that and realize that again, our bodies are telling us through this infertility journey, something has to change. It's, this is not working for you. Right. And one of the easy things to do to help your body heal is to get a good night's sleep. Mm. I love that. And it, it, it is such an important piece of that puzzle. I, and it makes me think with cortisol when we're thinking about stress and the stress hormone and how that all is kind of like tied in and that badge of busyness like we or as moms like our lives are so crazy which yeah they are but at the same time kind of honoring that but also living in the moment trying to just get that routine I know for me sometimes exercise will help me get a better sleep that night but I know everyone's different like just seeing like what works for you um trying to make those habits happen and making them easy for me in some way, trying to fit those puzzles in. Um, And everyone's different, but I I love how you have these courses and you coach individuals on kind of like their own bodies and their own approach. Is that right? It is. And a piece of the puzzle, you know, that we haven't talked about, And part of what I do as part of the program, part of the coaching is advocating for yourself in the medical community. And I just want to give an example of that. You know, I mentioned earlier that I had fibroids, but what I didn't tell you is that I had, uh, 
I had to have multiple surgeries before they actually found the fibroids. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a very, you know, I'm sure that there's somebody listening out there that can understand. It's a scary proposition because you're, you're now asking the doctor to cut into your uterus potentially, right? If they find fibroids and there's fear of scarring and is that going to increase my infertility? But my quality of life was so poor at that point. Um, my cycles were so bad and so painful and so heavy that I had to put myself first outside of the infertility journey. I couldn't continue on um, living that way anymore. And so mm -hmm. they did two laparoscopic surgeries that came back normal. I'm air quoting for those of you that are just listening, came back normal because there's a lot of things in the medical community, again, that's normalized. Nope, we couldn't we couldn't find any fibroids. And so I, I had to push and I had to advocate for myself. What else is there? Is there a different way to look at this? Is there a different procedure that we could do that would give us a better picture of the inside of the uterus? And what they ended up doing is that saline infused um, procedure. And then all of my fibroids, which they took so many out that it looked like a handful of aquarium gravel. That's how many fibroids I had. Wow. So they did this saline infused um, procedure, removed all the fibroids, and then my symptoms went away. But my journey was very much like that. Like I had to, I had to walk that line between quality of life and potential impact on my fertility. And I know that there are other people out there that, um, that have to do that too. And it makes it very scary. One of the things that you mentioned um, was your lens of a nurse practitioner versus a patient and things like that. It took me years to learn and figure out that the doctor was not allowed to diagnose my endometriosis without surgery. I could not understand that. I'm like, how can I agree to have surgery for something that you can't tell me that I have? Mm. It was immensely frustrating to me. And so I, I suffered for years, which the average length of diagnosis, I think is around 13 years uh, to diagnose endometriosis. I think it's getting a little bit better now um, because the awareness is better, but people have to understand doctors have limitations in what they can say, and they're not looking for the root cause of why you can't get pregnant. When you go to see a doctor for reproductive medicine, that's what they're looking to do. They're looking to give you medication to manipulate your hormones for a desired outcome. They're not looking for your fibroids. They're not necessarily looking for, I mean, they may do scans. There may be things like that, but they're not necessarily looking for a root cause problem. They're definitely not looking at things like gut health and lifestyle and, uh, and that sort of thing for the most part. So that's incredible. I mean, it really is that, I I love history and the study of how medicine has changed throughout time. And I feel like, you know, these paradigms, which, you know, and I am so, I'm thankful for all the progress that medicine has made, but that doesn't mean that we should be stagnant. Like there's stuff that we, we don't know everything. And doctors, I, I think that's such an important point that like they, you know, just because we're told something doesn't mean necessarily that that's final. 
Like I was told I have three kids and I, I was told two out of the three that I would, I would need IVF with them. And, um, and I, I didn't. And, um, and I know everyone's story is different. And Erica, you've had you have seven issues that they had said that you had. And it's, I think a lot of the training that we have is this, um, so much of, and I don't want to like overgeneralize it, but a lot of facts and, but life isn't just facts. So we can't, people aren't going to walk into the office like a medical textbook. And, um, you know, we, there's so many gray areas of life and there's, everyone has a story and in medical school and in our training and nursing school, we don't learn everyone's stories. We, in our, we don't, you know, there's just so much that factors in. And yeah. I am so proud of you and just, so glad that you are advocating not only that you advocated for yourself but also now for all women who are struggling right. with this um that's amazing now erica i feel like it would be so hard i know for me it was hard to hear oh you're not going to you need to do ivf like and, and and we didn't necessarily. I didn't have any diagnoses necessarily, so it was just well, you need to do IVF. That's the next step, or I guess it was IUI first, then IVF. But mentally, that was hard to take in because you know my whole life I had dreamed about being a mom, and it's like well, what if that's yeah, not the course mm-hmm. for me? How do you recommend, or how did you kind of mentally process that? And I know we talked about kind of advocating for yourself and all of this, and but that's just the. I think it would be easy for me to just almost like give up at that point. Be like, well, I guess that's Absolutely. not in the cards for me. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? part of it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say, if you can't cope, you can't continue. And, you know, there's a woman walking out of a doctor's office today, or there's a couple walking out of a doctor's office today, every day, that's been told what I was told or what you were told that either doesn't have the money to do it, doesn't feel like, you know, that it is in the cards for them. And they go home and give up and maybe they'll get pregnant on their own and maybe, you know, they have to really heal their body and that, that never happens. And instead, you know, they, they don't have the family of their dreams. And so the mental health component of infertility cannot be overstated. Um, I was, you know, seeing a licensed therapist um, during my infertility journey. First of all, it's extremely lonely. Some people will not even tell their own family that they're experiencing infertility. Um, they won't tell their best friend. Uh, so it's so isolating. It's so uh, lonely. And um, I know we were talking about my books earlier. Um, that's why I wrote the books, because it's a way to put something in somebody's hand um, through these women's story that gives them hope. It shows them that they're not alone, that there is um, ways to, you know, to change their path. Um, but it helps them cope also, right? It helps them feel less alone. They don't have to go to Facebook and participate in a group or, you know, ask a question. They can have the privacy of reading those stories um, themselves. But yes, the mental coping um, 
And also just beyond the coping of infertility is there has to be, a lot of times there has to be mental health um, healing before fertility can take place. So there's so many women that, you know, I mean, we, we saw that in the Me Too movement, right? There's so many women that have experienced abuse of trauma um, that's sexually related. And a lot of those, a lot of those things cause dis-ease in your body and cause um, blockages um, for whatever reason for you not to be able to get pregnant. Um, I'll just use one of my authors as an example. She was a woman, um, had tried multiple times through IUI, then moved to IVF. Nothing was happening. And uh, she was about to give up. And her doctor, the doctor actually um, wrote the foreword for the um infertility success, more stories of help and hope suggested to her that she seek some hypnotherapy and find out if there was something in her past that she could uncover that was emotionally stopping her from, from getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. So she went through the process, um, and came to learn, uh, which was able to be verified by her parents that she had been um, sexually abused by a babysitter at a young age. So through the the hypnotherapy, she was able to, you know, valid, they were able to, you know, put those pieces together and validate that information, but she had no recollection. And after she went through the emotional processing of that, then she was able to conceive. Um, So we see stories like this and this doctor, you know, has seen things like this before. Um, So we can't, we can't emotionally stuff. We can't keep that 800 pound gorilla in his cage He's, he might not be, he, you might be walking around looking fine, but he's in there wrecking something, right? Uh, wrecking your fertility and, and causing um, all kinds of problems. So we have to address our mental health too and our past traumas as well as process. And this is something that I, I definitely help my clients with that is part of my uh, standalone program that people can uh, do self-led is processing the monthly losses, right? Because that's what they are. Every month that you don't get pregnant, it feels like death. It feels like a loss. It's a lost chance. It's a lost dream and it's devastating. And I don't think people really can appreciate if they have not been going through infertility that how real that is. Um, It's not just the miscarriages women have. Those monthly cyclical losses really do feel like a lost child, a lost chance, a lost hope for, for that month. And so, um, we have to process that. We can't keep just, you know, stuffing that down and acting like it doesn't matter. So. Mm, that's incredible. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I do, I, I remember that, that two week wait, the two week wait, and then that negative pregnancy sign and just every month crying about it and praying and yeah, that that grief. And it is so lonely. And and it's almost like I talk sometimes about like pride and shame. And when we feel proud, we want to expand. We want to show others. We want to get larger. But when we're feeling like shame, which is such a powerful emotion, we kind of we close in. We we kind of just go inside ourselves, and 
it almost, it, it does kind of feel like we produce the self-shame of what's wrong with me. Why are my friends, why am I seeing all of these people I know having babies and then there's me that just like, but then you, it, it is hard. It's, it's, it's hard to reach out for support. And I love that about your books that you have that community in the book. Yeah. And you, so you can read that and be like, oh, I am not alone. And that's so powerful. I Now, Erica, you have, can you tell us you have two books that are available on Amazon and you have two more coming out soon. Is that right? I do. I do. Yeah. So it's the Infertility Success Series and Infertility Success Stories of Help and Hope for Your Journey uh, is available on Amazon. And then the part two of uh, that book, we had so many um, women that we really wanted to include their story, but the timing was just not right. They were having babies or they were moving or what have you. So the second book is Infertility Success, More Stories of Help and Hope for Your Journey. And I they would be impactful if they were just memoirs, but these are written, each chapter is written with a rear view mirror lens of what would I do as they were, as the women were telling their story, what would I do here? What do I wish I would have done? Let's stop here. Let me tell you, man, I wish I had insisted that this doctor test me for this. We had an author that lost the opportunity. It's just devastating. Every time I tell it, she lost her opportunity to use her own eggs because of a test that they said to her after she had lost, after she had used those eggs, well, maybe we should have tested you for this. Mm. Wow. That, that should never happen to anybody. Right. So yes, it's great to read these stories of success and what people did, but we really wanted it to be super impactful. So as the reader is going through there's tip sections at the end of each chapter, there's a QR code. So if that uh, reader really connected with that author that they could, you know, reach out to them and they could get, you know, personal support from them. So we really wanted it to be a very personal, uh, personal thing for them. Mm. That's amazing. I love all of that. I love that. And you also offer, you were mentioning individual and private coaching as well as um, a self-paced 12-week boot camp. Um, yeah, is that correct? I did. Um, and I forgot to mention the other two books because the Amazon guy came oh, yes. yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, distracted me. But the other two books are coming out just, uh, they'll be just released a couple of days before this podcast um, mm-hmm. airs. And um, it's Infertility Success to Postpartum Mess. And through the process of writing these two books with the authors, some of them are uh, repeat authors in this book, because we realized through talking to each other, through sharing our stories, that this was some this was an area that we really wanted to shine a light on. This is something that is not talked about at all. And I see as an up and coming topic of conversation um, because everybody thinks that the successful pregnancy after infertility is the magic wand that's going to cure all the trauma, wipe away all the tears, right? It's like a magic wand. That baby's like a magic wand. And that is not true at all. Um, As a matter of fact, a lot of us experienced a lot of postpartum depression, a lot of postpartum anxiety, because again, we're separated from our peers. We're isolated because we don't feel like we have the ability to say, oh my gosh, 
I'm going crazy as a mom. My baby's not sleeping. Breastfeeding is hard. You know, any of the things that normal moms go through, we as a community didn't feel like we could, we could speak about, right? Because we, mm. we wanted it, right? You certainly can't complain. You got exactly what you wanted. Um, and that created a uh, kind of like a perfect storm again of unresolved emotions, um, trauma that from the infertility process, which is real trauma, um, that a lot of times included multiple miscarriages, um, double digit miscarriages, you know, which is just horrifying, Mm -hmm. um, that that baby is not going to be able to fix. Right. So we need to really be talking about healing the trauma of infertility, even when infertility is successful. Mm. I love that. That's like, I, I is so important. And we, I'm glad that now I feel like there's a little bit of that door opening up in the mental health field of this trauma that wasn't even open before. Cause it's like, it, it is so important. And, um, Dr. Beasel van der Kolk, um, he talks about like the body keeps score, like the body mm-hmm. keeps score, like it's inside you. It's a, this trauma. It, you can't, um, necessarily you can have emotions, but they don't go away. Like they're somewhere, like you're saying that gorilla, it's inside you somewhere. It's yeah. alive and you can push it down all you want to, but it's going to manifest itself in some way and at yeah. some time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the last book in the series is Infertility Success, um, Stories of Faith and Miracles. Mm. And that is the faith walk that some of the women went through, um, kind of their journey with God and how that played out, because there's a lot of shame, as you mentioned, associated with infertility. What am I being punished for? Um, you know, so it's, it's really just, again, shining a light in an area of a place that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to say that they were mad at God because they went through infertility. Um, so it's about their their walk with the Lord and what that looks like and how that played out and how it made them stronger and the places that they felt weak, you know, in in that journey. So it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. am so looking forward to reading that. It'll be incredible. And yes, it uh, October thirtieth will be your release date, and yeah. which we are recording this week before, but we, it should be out and ready to get on Amazon when you're listening to this episode. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, Available in paperback and Kindle. So, you know, if people want to, want to read it that way. That's great. Amazing. And, um, Erica, tell us about the, your individual and private coaching, uh, and how we can look into that, sign up for it. Cause I think that would be an incredible resource. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to put together everything that I learned uh, along the way and everything that I've learned after my own infertility journey and um, put all that into a course. And so um, 12 weeks, three months, however you want to look at it, but it's um, it's Nurture Path uh, Fertility Incubator. And it's just going to help you um, walk through that process of identifying the things in your life that need to be addressed um, and helping with conversations with your doctor 
and that sort of thing. Um, it's a support system. There's definitely built in mental health. Um, I call them pocket tools because, you know, we're never at home in front of our computer when we, you know, when we need that tool, we need to have something that, um, you know, you're at work, you go to the bathroom, you get your cycle, you're not pregnant that month. Instead of stuffing those emotions, you know, we need pocket tools to be able to pull out in that bathroom stall and say, okay, I'm going to do some tapping and release some of those emotions and have a little cry and not just, uh, it's about nervous system regulation, right? Um, and not just try to like, you know, bootstrap it and, and put a brave face on. So there's definitely tools in there to support your mental health. And then if people feel like they need more one-on-one -on -one attention, then I do, um, you know, a limited one-on-one -on -one coaching program that they can do individually or, you know, as a bundle. So, hmm. but that's on ericahoke.com. So it's Erica with a C and Hoke is like hope, but with a K. So H-O-K-E, ericahoke.com. Hmm. So our listeners can access all that information on your website. Yes. That's great. And I'll also include all of this in the show notes. So, so Erica's website, as well as links to all of her books. And I just, I love all of this. And I, I, I'm reminded, Erica, you know, so much of my experience in healthcare um, was a lot of rounding, medical rounding. And I think it reminds me of how we need, when we like see patients, like we talk amongst all these specialists and um, all these teams, but sometimes the patient themselves isn't included. I mean, and that could be for a variety of reasons um, and they can be, but you know, but that's such an important piece of the puzzle. And I am so glad that you are really helping us women say, you, your voice is important. And in fact, it is the most important. You are the patient. Yeah. That right. is so powerful. And this is your body. And you know, you deserve a, a seat at the rounding table or a seat at the table. Like right. not taking no as an answer and you know, and praying about it. And maybe, you know, every like whatever it is that God calls you to do or it, it and and not if you're not necessarily you know religious or spiritual whatever it is you feel called to do like you know like there's that feeling deep down that I feel like for every woman should be honored and I know reading about medical history and stuff I, I find it fascinating that like that hysteria I don't know Erica if you're familiar yeah. I'm trying to remember like where that comes from but it's like mm -hmm. back in the day they thought women literally had a wandering uterus. And so that's kind of where hysteria came from. And like this, you know, women, like we just, we have all these thoughts and, you know, centuries ago, like during pregnancy, if we have these thoughts, is that bad for the baby? And like, how can we shame ourselves? And like, it, it's just this such shame and shame. And I, I'm so glad that you're focusing on something different and Empowerment. that power. The right. empowerment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And those things silently get passed down to us, right? You know, when yeah. you're talking about medical history, how we should behave in front of a doctor, um, who 
is allowed to ask questions and what questions are they allowed to ask? How, you know, um, I find this a lot with my clients and this is, this is something that we talk about, you know, you can be respectful in the medical community and listen, I had surgeries. I needed my, I needed my team. I'm not anti-doctor at all. Mm -hmm. And you have a right and a responsibility to yourself to ask those questions because the doctor is just a human being. And what if you're seeing that doctor on his bad day? Like everybody has bad days, right? What if that day when you're seeing the doctor is his bad day or her bad day? Mm. You know, you have to know that no one wants you to get pregnant more than you. And we Mm. kind of think that everyone on our medical team is as invested in our outcome as we are. Mm. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, our, I, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, it, it is like uh, providers and doctors, they're all human and, and they have yeah. the best intentions many times. Right. Absolutely. But they're not you. Yeah. They, they have days. They, maybe they got a phone call right before walking into your room that upset them, or maybe something else is going on. And right. It, and that is that that is so such an important point. I love that. Um, well, Erica, we have to wrap up here, and I I really just absolutely loved our conversation. And and I know you call yourself the infertile mom of four. I think that's so beautiful and so inspiring. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to uh, take away from this conversation or anything else that you would like to talk about before we wrap up? I would just like to tell them that just because a doctor tells you that they can't help you doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant. Mm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for your time. And I hope all of our listeners out there have an amazing day and trust in yourself and go out there in the world and do great things and check out the show notes and check out all of Erica's information. Thank you, Valerie, so much for having me on today. Thank you, Erica. 